Welcome to this podcast by Global Church. We are a church planting movement wanting to reach cities from here to everywhere, one to everyone. If you want to find out more information, check out our website on www.globalchurch.co.uk. Family is great because, you know, um, we're all at different stages in a family and and uh, we have to learn to appreciate family. It doesn't come overnight. People think, Who, who's ever had this thought? You know, I've got brothers and sisters, maybe. I'm not talking about me, but just saying, I've got br- brothers and sisters, but I seem to get on with some and I don't get on with others. I think, but I should get on with them. They're my family, they're blood. And you think it's not as easy as that. You have to work to get on with them. And some are just horrible. <laughs> and you know, some of them might think that you're horrible. God forbid. So, so we, we, we have to learn, and, and family is great. It's such a great source, socializing tool, is family. God's a genius. I mean, we know that, but, you know, sometimes you have to say it because people miss it. You know, God, even the Bible says God sets the lonely in families. Family is God's great thing. I wish I were doing a talk on family, but I'm not. Um, but, you know... If you can survive your family, you can survive anything. (laughs) Your family don't hate you, they just want to see you humbled. That's all it is. The moment you start getting good at stuff, they're like, yeah, well... Because it's new to them. And and, and all of a sudden, it's like, I I, I don't believe you can do it. I've got three sons, and I've had had them step out in faith, and I'm thinking, they're never going to do this. I remember Johan as a little kid, and we were on this camp, and we'd, I, I, I painted, uh, 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 what's it called, up a verse from the Bible on my sketchboard. And then we were blotting out different words so they could memorize them. And then I said, right, who's going to get up? We'd blotted all the words out. We'd gone through it all, teaching them a, a verse. Who can get up and memorize it? You're on, I can. I'm thinking, you can't. You're too young. You'd be about, like, nine months old. <laughs> I forget how old. He'd be about four. And he, and he got up. And he spoke it out, and we're, everyone were amazed. And then you're like, wow. And just see, and it's, it's fascinating. With kids, he, uh, Elliot marries a girl from Sweden, and I think this is going to be fun. <laughs> Elliot's always struggled to articulate things. And, uh, and then he had a lisp. And now he speaks three languages. Yeah. And you think, how did he? do that. I saw Johan playing piano. I've watched him for years. And I saw him playing piano in front of 15,000 people. It's a pity they didn't switch his keyboard on. But (laughs) (laughs) it's a true true story. We're at Hillsong's conference. And and it was dying. The whole thing was, oh gosh. He just said, Dad, I wish I'd just, why did they bother? Why did they really bother? I said, no, you look good. (laughs) Slightly out of tune. But he's great. So I've mentioned two sons. What's Ethan done? Nothing. <laughs> he needs a good woman, that lad. He's 23 years old. He's handsome. He's as beautiful as his mum. That, that worries me. So uh, <laughs> we're talking about being strong in faith, yes? Romans chapter 4, verse 20. Abraham, he didn't give in to weak faith. He started there, but he, he grew his faith, and he hoped against all hope, and he just said, but if God said it, I'm going to believe it. Even though it looks silly on me as an old man, if he says I'm going to have babies in my old age, it's going to happen. 
and against all hope, he believed. And that's why he's called, we call him the father of faith. Because he's showing us how to have faith. And it says he had strong faith. And uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, the Apostle Paul says to new Christians in new church plants like ours, he says, be strong in the Lord. It's like a, it's a command. It's a, he's urging us, be strong in the Lord. Why? Because Isaiah 50, 53, verse 12, it says, God will divide the spoils amongst the strong. It's not the weak that will inherit the earth. It's the people who understand spiritual things. So blessed are you that are poor now. Yours is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the meek. Yours is the kingdom of... Uh, yours is the, uh, the thing of the... Anyway, blessed are the cheesemakers. Where are we? <laughs> but all that is... These are spiritual principles. Just like we have principles in life. If you want somebody to be confident, keep speaking positive things to them. And you say, oh, I can't believe these Americanisms. You've misunderstood stuff. Just because some Americans got it before us, dopey Brits, us kind of cock of the north, oh, we don't believe anything like that. We know that. Keep dragging your knuckles on the floor. But if you're going to be smart, you don't care where the wisdom comes from, what package it comes in, you want the wisdom. I buy CDs. And sometimes you can pay 30 quid for a CD. I'm not, I'm not paying that. It's not worth it. You're not paying for the plastic. You're paying for the wisdom. You can pay 20. I paid, I were after some cheap books, if I'm honest, or on Amazon. And I ended up paying the uh, best part of 40 pounds for two books. Nearly broke my heart. <laughs> but you see, I was after the wisdom yeah. in those books. That's what I'm after. And then when you look at it, 40 quid's nothing. That's a round of drinks in York. That's one drink in London. <laughs> so can you see, you have to change yeah. your thinking. We have to change, we have such a poverty mentality. And socialism hasn't helped us. It keeps everybody, we're all the same. We're not. Have you noticed there's lazy beggars? Have you noticed? I don't, don't lump me in with them. I get up in the morning. All right, I get up in the mid-morning. So don't, I don't want all that. I want, and that's why God, his blessing seems to be on one person and not on another. Why? Because some are open to it and some are not. And it's the same in the kingdom of heaven. Some are open to it, some are not. Listen to Jesus' parables. Parable of the prodigal son. And he's trying to say to Israel, you're the self-righteous one. And you look down your nose at all these pagans, all these people who don't have God's promises and God's word, and you look down your nose at them. But you know what? When God has finished with every, working on everybody's life, the bad boy gets in to the party, and the good boy remains outside the party. And it's not the father's choice, it's the son's choice because he refuses to humble himself and come into the party. That's what Judgment Day is going to be like. It will reveal those who have just said, I want to come in. And those who have said, well, I can't believe it. And they find fault with everything. I'm showing you, find fault with, anyway, with everything. So God will divide the spoils with the strong. So be strong in faith and be strong in the Lord. You can't be strong in the Lord unless you're strong in faith. Then two verses need to go together. 
We all have equal opportunity. You know, you can develop your, your faith. That's what the theme is. Developing strong faith. So if you, can, if you can be academically strong, if you can be financially strong, and you can be physically strong, then surely you can become spiritually strong. Yeah? And so we all start. We're given an amount of faith. It says in Romans chapter 12, roundabout verse 3, I think it is. You know, judge yourself with sober judgment, but we've all been given a, a measure of faith when you believe. So we all have equal opportunity to develop, to develop strong faith. And we'll need it if we're going to take the gospel to the whole world. See, if you listened to me last week, you'd think Dave just wants us all to be millionaires. Which I do, because I'm thinking about the tithes and my wage. <laughs> but prosperity has a purpose. Yeah. And we're taking the gospel to the whole world. That's going to require money. It's going to require resources. Money has a mission. And so it's not, we're not just, whenever you hear me talking about finances, it's not just so that we can have a nice life and God wants us to have a good life. But it isn't that. It's money as a mission. Prosperity as a purpose. Wealth requires wisdom. And that's what I try to pump out of here so that we're going to be not just, I, I, I hate this term, but I'm sure it's true, well-rounded people. I hate the term. I'll tell you why I hate the term. Because it's like, it's that kind of insipid balance. Don't have too much, don't have too little. Don't get too high, don't get too low. Don't get... And all that is just so boring to me. I want to be on the raging seas, clinging onto a ship for grim death. You know, like going, we survived that storm. Mind you, when it happens, I cry like a baby. <laughs> and then when we get back, it's, yes. <laughs> don't film me midway. I've just started uh, in this gym. And uh, this, this, I've got a personal trainer. Uh, I married this couple last, me and Shelley married them last year at, in, uh, at New Year's. And we had a great, great New Year's, great party. Married them in this hotel in Ireland. So we haven't spoke to them for about 12 months. You know, time passes, so they were around for a, a meal at our house last Sunday. And then uh, he just said, Dave, I've booked you into me gym. And, uh, and he's a personal trainer. And he said, I want to train you. I'm thinking, oh, please, Jesus, help me. <laughs> a man's as strong as an ox. <laughs> he can box you to death, you know what I mean? So I went in the other day and said, and his wife said to him, be gentle with him. <laughs> I come in like that, oh, you all right. <laughs> so developing, so I have to develop. And so he gave me these exercises, and he wanted six reps, I gave him four. And uh, before I whizzed up. And then, and then he said to me, this was on, on Wednesday, he said, by next Monday, I want you on six reps. So Thursday morning came, and I was getting out of bed, and I thought, I better stay in. It must be the Lord's will. My leg can't feel my legs. <laughs> and eventually I got out of bed, and, I, and uh, for, I had to go down to Lanx. So I'm driving down to Lanx, thinking, I hope I can move the pedals, because everything that every movement even when I blinked it hurt my feet you know what I mean and then day after I thought it might be a bit better today and I'm like trying to shake it off it, it, it didn't shake off so I went for a power walk on Friday I thought I've got to free myself and I kept doing this 
free these legs, please, free these legs. You know, I'm showing you. Right, that, that were enough. <laughs> so then, yesterday, it felt a lot better, but I thought, I've got to get in the gym Saturday and Sunday, because by Monday, he's going to require six. So last night, I'm in this gym, and uh, after four, well, just before the end of the fourth rep, I sort of give up. And then I thought, Dave, you've got to go again. So I just finished the fourth rep, and I thought, well, I'll just start the fifth. Because I've trained, you know, I've trained my mind to just say, who knows where it might lead. So I started the fifth, and eventually, when I was doing my press-ups, I were on my knees, literally, just. Anyway, <laughs> but I got there, so I did five. So today, I've got to go back to the gym and, uh, and see what I can do. Point of the story, long story, beautiful story, beautiful man. <laughs> so, so I'm telling you the story because it hurts to change. It hurts to develop. It hurts to change your thinking. When you change your thinking, it doesn't hurt your muscles there. It hurts your emotions. That's for somebody today. Changing your thinking hurts your emotions. That's why we don't want to change it. We want to remain the same. So when I say something to you as the leader of the church, you just think, well, yeah, it's a good idea, but it's not for me. It's for other people in church. Do you know what? That, at that moment, I stopped being your leader. Yeah, because I realize I'm not everybody's leader. I'm only the leader of the people that follow me. And so I want to lead you into, I'm going to lead you into places you don't want to go. And so it's good for me to, go, to be led by somebody to places I don't want to go. It starts with Biltmore. <laughs> and, then you, and then, you know, going into a, a gym. So I, so I know what it feels like to be led. You're fearful. You think, I can't do it. And then you think, I don't want to do it. But you know you need to do it. And all those things go on and eventually you're like, I can't be bothered. Just out, let's have another cup of tea and talk. But I want to lead you. And I'm, I'm, I'm leading you as a church. I want to lead you into good things. Am I always right? Am I egg? Just 99.99999 infinity. Um, I'm not always right. That's not the point. And even when God watches you following a leader that's maybe taking you off at a tangent that you're wrong let's just say God looks at your heart and he blesses your obedience yeah, yeah. to his leader yeah, yeah. we don't get leadership that's why, I, that's why I do a lot of teaching on leadership we don't get it in our country we think leaders are okay as long as they've got it right now to be fair a leader worth his salt or her salt has got to get it right more often than not but you only have to get it right once every twice to be really good that's 50% right. Who'd like to be 50% right? Yeah. Yeah. Some of you, you've been married a long time, you think you're 100% right, you are not. <laughs> 50%? I'm a lot higher than that. In your own head, in your own head. Here we go. So we've all got equal opportunity. Why? Because we're going to take the gospel to the world. Matthew 24, verse 14. I've got a lot of scriptures to get through. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come. We're part of that. So Jesus spoke that out 2,000 years ago, 2,000 miles away and we're part of that. We've heard the call to follow Christ and then we've heard the call to, to take his gospel to the whole world. So we're doing it global. So I'm not original. That's, that's where we get it from. Matthew chapter 16 verse 18 Jesus said, no matter what comes against you, even if the gates of hell come against you, they will not prevail. Why? Because he said, I will build my church. And, and it's for us 
to consecrate ourselves, to set ourselves apart, to say, Jesus, you're number one in my life. What you say, I will do. Where your finger points, I will go. Um, and when that happens, and God sees somebody obedient and unwilling to follow him, it says in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 19, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the finest of the land. In other words, you will have a great life. And I've preached that you're, you're going to be poor and wretched for the rest of your life if you give your life to Jesus. I've preached that for 20 years. And then I took that lens off and I put a different lens in and I started to read the Bible in a different way and I started to see colour, not black and white. I didn't see the emphasis on hardship, I saw the emphasis on blessing that overcame hardship because hardship's going to come our way because we live in a fallen world, an imperfect world. Instead of seeing a life that's just tough and if you get a little blessing then celebrate, that's well, not celebrate, but that's good for you. Good luck. And some people seem to have more good luck than others. But God says, if you have faith, you can create the life that you want. What do you want? The hardest question to answer. God asked me that question years ago before I moved to York. He goes, what do you want? Somebody sent me a letter. God's question to you is, what do you want? And I'm thinking, oh, well, obvious what I want. I want God's will. Cop out. Because <coughs> I don't have to think now. You know, what's your favourite holiday place? If you had to ask me that years ago, I'd have said, anywhere, I'm not bothered. As long as it's sunny, I'm not bothered. It's not enough. We're not engaging, yeah? yeah? And I don't engage, honestly. I just get through life. I'm a, I'm a kind of creature of, uh, not comfort so much, but uh, of uh, parties. That's the word, just party. <laughs> I just enjoy life. And I'm just, and the more spontaneous it is, the better. You know what I'm saying? Somebody woke me up at 2 o'clock in the morning and said, do you want to come to a party? I think, yeah, all right. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Why wouldn't you? Not as simple as that. I do have, a, I do have a, a conscience and I do have a filter that says, does God want me there? But I'm just saying, he usually says yes. <clears throat> Let's move on. I've got loads of scriptures to give you. Okay. We've got to keep moving forward in faith. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12, it says, don't be lazy. Laziness is a funny thing. Let's have a look at that. And I tell you that, oh, where we go? We do not want you to become lazy. That's the apostle speaking to a young church like us, like Global. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who, through faith and patience, inherit what has been promised. Faith and patience go together. But he says, I don't want you to be lazy. Here's laziness. Laziness is not the absence of work. Laziness is doing what you like doing and not doing what you should do. That's laziness. Who's full of laziness? I've got loads of things that I know I should do and I think tomorrow. Because <laughs> today, and, and, and here's something for you busy people, the urgent always takes precedent over the important. And if we're going to build rhythm into our lives, we need to get going with the important. And I started that just before Christmas. I started dealing with the important. And it's painful again. So not only is, is my body racked with pain in January, my head racked with pain in January. So that's Hebrews 6. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38, it says, The just shall live by what they see and hear and feel. So the just will live by faith. Not what you see, what you sense, what you feel, what you, all that kind of stuff. No, the just will live by faith. And it's tough, is that, because it cuts against your emotions sometimes. 
and you're thinking even. And, you know, we are so dominated by our thinking. And you know, I believe in great thoughts. I believe in getting your thinking sorted. I'm taking a gang of us down to London to a conference. It's not a Christian conference. It's a business conference. Well, more, more entrepreneur than business. And I'm taking us down for one reason. And that is to get our thinking challenged. So we grow bigger thoughts. And this guy will sort our thinking out. I've, I've, I've listened to him before. So, the just shall live, not by what they see, what they can touch, what they sense and feel, no, 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 but by faith. There's too many feeling Christians. We're not meant to live by feelings. We're meant to be led by the Spirit, by the Holy Spirit. But unless you know how it works, unless you know how the Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you, too many of us will say, God could not possibly want you to do this. And that's silly. Because it hurts the family. It's, it's one thing when it hurts you, it's another thing when it hurts your kids. So when we moved to York, our three boys did not want to come. They cried like babies because they were babies. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think Johan was nine or ten or something like that. Ethan was four. And I brought Ethan up on a train to come and have a look at his school, St. Paul's. Shelley were working. So me and this little dot travelled up. And uh, it touches me now even thinking about it. You know, walking him into school in his little hand, going to St. Paul, and I'm thinking, I know what's coming your way, and you don't know what's coming your way. And he comes in, all right, Dad. You know, and he's trying to be a good boy. Um, my, you know, goes, he, he, we sat in the classroom and talked to the teachers and all that lot. And then we came back on, and I got him some sweets. We, I ate them all. We sat on the way, and we came on the train. <laughs> One for Ethan, two for Daddy. I'm bigger than you, son. I need more sweets. But we moved them. And they cried, and it hurt them. And um, the point is that we needed to move because it was the way forward for us. And it was God's will. And, you know, when you lead your family, you've got to lead them in God's ways. And it's not easy. If I hear you guys crying, do you think it's going to touch me? more than listening to a four-year-old cry. You've got to be kidding me. And it's not any four-year-old, because I can hear a four-year-old cry, and it would touch me, but it's me all. Yeah. So it's like, no, and then I've seen the blessings that have come off the back of it. Yeah. And three lads that are still in church. Many preachers' kids never go to church. They hate church. My kids love church. They love Jesus. And they've seen the blessings that come, not just because we love Jesus, that's, that's the start part where we, we, you live what you, 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 you're talking about. But it's more than that. They have to own it for themselves. And when they see God's blessing on their life, they look back now, they are so glad we came to York. They come back from London, they sleep for three days, and then they come to and they go, isn't it amazing, York? It's so nice as a city. It's so easy. You can just like go in and have a coffee in London. It's zoom, 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 zoom. So good. But I've seen God's blessing on their life. Three of them in LA last week. Uh, sorry, last month. Three of them in LA. One of them gets to go there. He rings his brothers up saying, I've got the hotel covered. Why don't you just find a cheap flight and get out there? So they rang the, mom, the, the bank of mum and dad. <laughs> can you lend me? I'm going, lend. How do you spell Lend. K-E-E-P, keep. We know, we understand. So, 
away they go, looking out for each other, making life an adventure where they can. And it's brilliant. That's what I want for our church. Yeah. And he said, but it's, it's, not, it's not really me. Go to another church. Because we're not going to change for other people. This is our DNA. This is what we live for. And you know, people laugh at you. People laughed at me. And I'll come on to that in a minute. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 2. We're not getting very far. Fight the good fight of faith. Anyway. So faith is the only fight we've got to fight. Faith always shifts the battle to God. It shifts the battle from us to God. David the shepherd boy, he goes up to take some cheese butties to his dad. That's a great verse, is that? Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Beautiful. Take hold of that eternal life. We've, it's not passive, isn't Christianity? But we've turned it to passive. We come, and even in worship, we're like that, do it to me, God. Which is good, because he does a lot of things, but we have to interact with him. Because there's sometimes where we don't raise our hands. There's sometimes we don't sing because we don't feel like it. And it's like, no, that's a sacrifice of praise when you don't feel like it. And there's a bigger blessing in that because God knows that you don't. And God's not a transcendental big head going like that. Come on, Larry, Larry, oh, Jesus, have you seen all this? It's for me. Poor moi. No, he knows that when you release praise and worship, he then can release blessing on your life and you interact with him the invisible God and it's awesome what happens in your life but you know what we have to take hold you've got to take hold of your thinking don't let other people tell you what to think you've got to take hold of your thinking be shaped by the Bible not by the culture around you and you all say yeah yeah we get that until you're first tested and when you're first tested you fail you just go back and resort to how you behave naturally and we have to learn hebrews chapter 5 verse 12 to 14 we have to train ourselves to walk by faith and by god's word and not by our upbringing our culture our thoughts and our feelings we've got to be shaped by god's word otherwise we're never going to see the miracles we're going to have the same old small life or our life that just doesn't work keeps falling down you know, as I look out in society, I see people and they have one child after another, after another, after another, and they've not learned from that one. And different dads. That's, there's no condemnation there, but I'm just saying that that's what happens. Other people, the, the, the problems we drink in the family and they're drinking. And then they wonder why they get a drink problem. You think, unless you've brought that, that generational choice I know some of you wanted me to say generational curses. I don't talk about generational curses because that puts the onus on somebody else. Generational choices means you can change a choice or a curse. Your family could have chosen or been cursed and kept nursed that curse for generations, but it can stop with you. Yeah. How do you know? Because it stopped with me and it stopped with Shelley. And, it, and our lads, now the trajectory of our family is going down this avenue, this, this lane, and we've gone like that. Yeah. And we've changed the whole course of the Shore family. Yeah. And, and we're going this way. And that's amazing. You know, my dad died when he was 27. And, and since then I've spoken, I am not going to die a young man. 
and I'm not having any of my family dying young men. I'm, I pray that. I'm, I, I pray to plead the blood of Jesus. It's like praying a protection on your family, the blood of Jesus to protect my family from an, an untimely and an un, 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 a young death. Why? I'm changing things. Your faith has got to work for you. Yeah? And honestly, you're looking at one of the biggest failures. So don't, please don't pick up about, you know, people having loads of kids that, you know, with different dads or people making wrong choices, becoming alcoholics or drug addicts or anything like that. Listen, none of, none of that carries any condemnation. I'll tell, but I'm, I'm saying I'm an example of where the book stops for me in this generation. We change. And you and I will fight things that generations down the line don't have to fight because we have fought. And in my family, they didn't fight. They fought many things, but they never fought the spiritual battle. And for many of you, you're first-generation Christians, and I want to train you how to, how to start again, really start again, like change the trajectory. I like that word, trajectory. The course of your family, the direction of your life. Okay, Hebrews. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary, basic truths of God's Word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. And, and, and uh, the apostle there is saying, grow up. You know, come on, wake up. You, you're lazy, you can't be bothered. It's all, do it to me, do it to somebody else, do it to me. Next verse. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. Next verse. But solid food is for the mature, everyone said mature, who by constant use have trained themselves. Who by constant use have trained themselves. By constant use have trained themselves. Training yourselves. It's one thing for your parents to teach you how to, to tie your shoes. At some stage, you've got to train yourself. You've got to remember what your parents are, and it's that loop, and it's this loop, and it's, you know, first time I did it, I tied both feet together, tripped up. But you've got to learn, you've got to train yourself, yeah. right? To distinguish good from evil, to know what's right and wrong, to know, to make good choices in life. You have to train yourself by constant training. A lot of what I do each week is remind you. I don't tend to bring new stuff. I remind you of truth. For some of you, it's the first time you've heard it. So it's like, this is not a reminder. This is the first time. But as you stick with us, I will remind you of certain truths. And they'll all come under headings like making disciples, planting churches, reaching cities. Relational. Relational, relevant, robust, and real. That's, that's a relational aspect. And can anyone remind me, remember the others? Christ. Spirit-led, mission-focused. Yeah? Mission-focused. Not me-focused. Mission-focused. But today, I'm talking about us because we are the mission. And so we're God's exocet missile for the world. Global church. And I know that some of you don't even have that yet. I've got that. And it can seem audacious. It's like, we're not that big. Listen, it's not how big the dog is in the fight. It's how big the fight is in the dog. It's not how big the fight is in the dog. No, sorry. How big the dog is in the fight. It's how big the fight is in the dog. It's not how big the dog is in the fight. It's how big the fight is in the dog. 
because it's not how big the dog is. It's not how great and powerful you are. It's not how big the dog is in the fight. It's how big and strong in the Lord the dog is in the fight, yeah? There we go. You'll have forgotten it already. But anyway, so faith is the only fight that we've got to fight. God does nothing apart from faith. Years ago, I had faith to get properties. It's interesting that when I moved to York, God didn't pull the miracle of properties out. It would have been easier to buy them in Lanks. But he got me to York. And once I were in York, the blessing of properties came my way. He knew that that desire was in my heart. Since being a kid, I said to my mom, uh, when you die, mom, I'll, I'll, have, I'll, I'll have this house. And she says, you'll never have it. And I said, I will. She was calling me a cheeky, but she called me a cheeky one anyway. Uh, but I own that house today. And uh, I thank God for me, Mum. You're she's a great woman. But, um, you know, she's left a legacy that will go right through my family. But the point of the matter is, is that that dream was always in my heart. And it became a reality when, after a step of faith happened. It's easy to step out in faith. Sometimes you've got to hang on to keep believing that God's going to turn up at the other side when you get there. And I want to take us in steps of faith. I want to grow your faith. Well, I want to encourage you and help you to grow your faith. That's why I'm teaching you like this. I had to learn new skills when I got properties. I had no deposits for many of them. When God tells you to buy something, you don't always have the wherewithal. You just go and buy it. He pays for it, you buy it. He's saying, I know, it's, I know you're all looking, saying, it's too easy as that. And I know. I've cut through the emotion and I felt like this and that wasn't there and I had well, mental angst. But I just bought a property in France and I didn't know how I was going to pay with it, uh, how I was going to pay. And I just, I thought, there's that way and there's that way. And I just said to Charlotte, let's just put the deposit down. And it was a tiny deposit, wasn't a lot of money, to be fair, 30,000, something like that. If you want to buy it off me, we like 48,000, something like that, in that ballpark. But the point of the matter is, somebody came along and just said, I want to pay it for you. Oh, well, we're interested in faith now, aren't we? Eh? I'm just saying that it's, it's, so I don't know what God's got lined up for me saying, we'll start small, Dave, but what if he had to say to me, Dave, buy that arena, it's four million. Yeah, but I don't have the money. He'd laugh his head off at me, wouldn't he? I said, Dave, you remember that preach when you said, you buy it and I'll pay for it? I know. Just leave me alone. Don't, don't ask me to do that. Because I know the mental anguish. It took me over 12 months to make that decision to buy that property. If I'd have known that somebody were going to come and buy it for me, I'd have gone straight away. But I didn't know. And I'm trying to find God's will because I'm trying to find, can we get it on a mortgage? Can we do to get this thing. I weren't even that bothered. Not even my dream. It's Shelley's dream. But she's my dream. But I don't want us to live by what we've got. I want us to live by what we believe. And there are bigger things that God's got lined up for us. And the question can come back, why do you always want bigger? That's, that's the nature of it. God wants bigger. He says, go and multiply. I'm only behaving like my Heavenly Father. When you don't want bigger and you don't want more, you're not thinking like God, your Father. Yeah? In heaven. Every one of us, when you... His seed, Peter says, has come into us. And you start to become like your Father in heaven. 
before and sometimes people are stingy now we're generous before we never thought about money now we have to think about it because he thinks about it and so we have to get on our finances to know what we can give them and how to grow the finances it's not, in, it's not enough to have plenty in the bank how do you grow the plenty in the bank I've, I've said to our guys in finances uh, uh, you, you know just because we've got the same amount of money in the bank each year as a church that's not success, that's failure you've got to grow it that we have to grow it because Jesus told the parable of the talents didn't he and somebody just hid the talent. Talent is money, not talent like I can sing and dance. It's, it's money. It's like a year's wages. In fact, the talent was, uh, it was more, it, 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 somebody has worked it out that uh, one talent could be as much as, uh, was it hundred and odd thousand, something like that. But they put it down to a year's wages for somebody that's on a good wage. But they hid the talent. And these other guys, grew the talents and Jesus said to the one that hid his talent he said you wicked and lazy uh, so he was fearful and lazy and he called him wicked when you're fearful and lazy Jesus equates that to being wicked because he calls us to be a people of faith not fear and not lazy but productive and so even if you're unemployed you can work you don't have to be paid go and work we're meant to work we're born to work yeah and, and so there's dignity in work, whatever, whether it's paid or not. Sometimes people say to me, I just, I just deliver pizzas. And I'm thinking, why do you put it down? You deliver pizzas. How, I want to know is how do you deliver them? Not on a bike, not kangaroo. <laughs> but how do you deliver them? What's your attitude like when you deliver them? You should be the best pizza deliverer. Being on time, cutting up traffic, Mounting the pavement, getting off the pavement, getting it to her on time, sweating like my going, boom, fastest one. Yeah. When you like your dad in heaven, there's more. That was the title of my talk. Go for more. <laughs> Go for more. Go for more. You're not being greedy. You've got to work past that. Go for more. Don't settle. Go for more. From the team here at Global Church, thank you for listening to this podcast. Please check out our other messages available on the website, 